0: This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, you don't know what you're missing. This is episode number 36, and in this episode, I sit down with Rick Shobin of Woodstock Brewing Company in Fenosha, New York. Rick talks to me about how they wound up opening in Fenosha, how he defined success, and he tells a funny little story about how he shipped a pile of beer with a bag of cheese in the middle. That story truly reminds me of the Brew World Order podcast. A whole lot of beer surrounding just a little bit of cheesy. And personally, that's just the way I like it. And hell, I hope you like it too. And even if you don't, just follow these simple instructions. Sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. this is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Rick Shobin of Woodstock Brewing Company in Phenosha, New York. Scott Shimamura had caught the interest to start homebrewing when he went on a craft beer retreat with some buddies. There, they were all trying their own homebrews. That's when Scott contacted Rick Shobin, who he knew through a mutual friend and was one of the best cooks he had known. He asked Scott if he'd like to homebrew together. In 2010, the two of them did just that, and the first try didn't work out like they had planned. But like everything, practice makes perfect. They continued to brew together and perfect their craft, till they decided that it was time to open a brewery of their own. Along the way, they ran into some issues, including finding the right location and some equipment malfunctions. But ultimately, everything had worked itself out as they opened their door as Woodstock Brewing Company in January of 2018. And Rick Choban's here with me today. Rick, how's it going? Great, how are you doing? All right. So, uh... So can you tell me from the start of when you both decided to open Woodstock till you finally opened the doors to the public, can you give me a quick breakdown of what that journey was like and also what was one of the hardest things that you had to deal with or overcome when making that whole thing come together?
1: Sure, well we we started in my garage in in Woodstock and it was more of like a weekend homebrewing thing and that turned into a let's move up here full-time and Look for a spot and um, and work and work on the beer. And we started looking at Woodstock, and there was nothing big enough or that would have been permissible from the town. So we just kept looking a little bit further and a little bit further. We found a building originally that had, was a former gas station, but still had an environmental liability associated with it. So we went. We didn't go with that project. And then after probably two years of searching, we found um, something between Woodstock and the town of Phoenicia, okay. um, which is, um, was in a strip, uh, kind of like a, sh- like a rural strip mall. Right. And, um, and it wound up being like the perfect space for us. It's big enough. It was first 4,000 square feet. Now we have 8,000 square feet, but it has a lot of parking and the, the ceilings. They're not the highest, but they, they work and the septic is, is good enough for us, for our customers. So, um, it, you know, it, it, wound up working out and being like the perfect spot, but it took us a while. So.
0: Right. And what would you say from, from that start to, what was the hardest thing you had to have overcome during that whole time?
1: Um, I mean, I think there was just a lot of issues, not, not necessarily one specific thing. You know, we had, we've had problems with every single piece of equipment that we bought for the brewery at oh the brewing system, which uh has malfunctioned the boiler which um we we eventually realized the, the there was something faulty about the boiler electronics and we we just couldn't get the boiler to function um so we would be brewing beer and the boiler would just turn off in the middle of a brew and and that was it it was done um so those were a lot of things the keg washer that we got took eight months for them to come and figure out what was wrong with it for us to be able to use that. Oh, God! So we had to like kind of like retrofit and, and, and design our own. Um, we've had problems with our glycol system, uh, not closing the valves. So our beers just kept getting colder and colder and, and, uh, and we're not fermenting. Um, I mean, you name it, we've had it, but I know how to fix everything now and I know how to overcome a lot of issues. So it's kind of been a blessing in disguise to a degree.
0: All right, you've pretty much mastered your whole system by now. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. And I know you were open for about uh, two years before this whole COVID situation hit. Um, How strongly did that affect your business?
1: Well, uh, to be honest, um, I would say that it hasn't negatively affected us. Um, I mean, in the beginning, just like everyone else in March and April and May, when there was like all the shutdowns, we were deaf. with all the uncertainty, there was a lot of anxiety. I had to lay off the entire front room staff. Um, we kept a couple people to help sell the beer and to help sell the food. But and then we had our kitchen staff who was making food that we would sell some of, but clearly not enough of. Um, and, and that was, you know, very stressful. And and quite frankly, I didn't know what was going to happen come June, when everybody was fleeing New York City, they're coming up to here. And we have a really large outdoor space, which we're very fortunate and lucky to have had prior to the coronavirus. And I just bought some more tables. And, and we're one of the only places that could accommodate, you know, 200 people at one time. And that's what would happen is just we would be really crowded. So um, because I think there was the exodus from the city and the, the openness of the, the Catskill mountains. And so, uh, you know, it, we've been fortunate to, to not have been that negatively impacted. I mean, we still have people that are afraid to come inside and that, that definitely hurts. Um, when our tap room is only 50% occupancy, um, now that it's winter, and it's freezing up here, and you can't eat to eat outside because the food gets cold immediately. It's not so bad for beer, but you have to order food. Right, right. So, so the the winter has become starting to become an issue from a from that perspective. But you know, as long as we can make it through till April or May, I think we'll be okay. Right.
0: So, for you, what was that? I know you. You know, there was a certain point while you were brewing that you hit where you were like, Hey, let's open this brewery together uh, with Scott. What was that aha moment for you?
1: Um, when I, I think when we started, when we finally got to, to brewing the same beer after like the hundredth time and we started to actually like it and think that we could, could really brew beer on a professional level that was competitive um, in terms of like being a quality beer and, um, and being, um, something that people would embrace. Right. And so once that happened, then we were like, let's go, let's go ahead and do that.
0: Gotcha. So where did you find the the capital to fund your business?
1: Uh, well, most of it came initially from myself and, uh, six other, six other people, um, as investors. But the, I funded the majority of it after working for 20 years in finance.
0: Okay. What was something that you never thought you were going to have to deal with in the brewing industry?
1: Working in the kitchen, doing dishes, working in the front room, busing tables, um, washing glassware, um, basically learning how to be a contractor and and. I mean, I can pretty much do anything that is associated with the brewery. And I never, it's not that I don't want to. I just never thought that that's what I would be doing. And my motto for the brewery is like, and for all my employees is, I would never ask them to do something I wouldn't do myself. Right. So when the toilet's back up, I go and unclog them. I'll, I will like replace anything that needs to get replaced. I'll, I'll do anything to help them so that they understand that I'm not there who's just bossing them around. I am basically there to help them to execute their jobs better.
0: Right. So basically, you have to become a uh, a jack of all trades, so to speak, to uh,
1: definitely <laughs> you
0: know conquer all conquer all problems at any given moment. Absolutely. Uh, what is the quality that you possess that makes you a good business owner?
1: I mean, I, I don't know if I'm like a, a, a good a good employer. I mean, I try to be as best as I can, but. Uh, I I think like you know I have like a very fine-tuned level of or attention to detail, and I want everything to be as good as it can be for the customer, and that's the beer, and that's the food, and that's the service. And so, what makes me, I guess, good for the customers, and also good for some employees, and bad for others, is that like I'm really exact, and and I have a very strong, specific methodology on how we should do things, and unless somebody has a better way and they can show me then we just do it that way. But I'm, I'm open to suggestions and I think that I try to understand the employees from their perspectives of like how they think about what they're doing or what they are doing and try to explain to them or go about it, trying to get them to improve themselves so that we're more efficient. And I think that's would be what it would, my, my answer for that question. Right.
0: So I'm sure I'm sure you've met many people. Now uh, come across many people in the beer industry. Who do you think has inspired you the most in the beer industry?
1: I don't know if there's any one specific person. I mean, the the whether it be our sales guys from our distributor, or or like our brewer who will do anything, work 24 hours a day if he has to. I mean, or our kitchen staff who's amazing. Um, I, I think that it's not, I don't think it's any one specific individual. It's because no matter how good one person is, uh, it takes an army to do it. So, um, it's really people that can assemble the talent. and, And I think there's a lot of, a lot of companies that do it.
0: Gotcha. Was there any defining moment for you that, that made you realize like you're not necessarily successful, but, uh, that you're moving in the right direction, like a, a moment that, that stands out for you?
1: Um, I, I think it's not any one specific one, it's just constantly talking to our distributor and they're like, people are buying the beer, like we got we need more beer. We need more beer. Right, right. I think that's really been the, the the thing that's really helped. And also seeing people come into the tap room and keep coming back. And telling us they love it there, they have a great time, they love our beer, they love our food, um, and they drive through New Jersey hours to get there and they don't have houses in the area. I think that has been the the things that have made it worth it for us and also to really understand how people think about our business and our products.
0: And Rick, how do you define success?
1: For me specifically, uh, like, I think if I would be successful, if I could wake up and, and be able to pursue something that I'm interested in every day.
0: Gotcha. And how important is a, a mental break for you from it all? I mean, I don't know if you were, have been able to take one uh, since starting. Um, How important is that and what does that look like for you?
1: Well, I think that... That it's, if you're interested in what you're doing truly, and this is, for me, this has always been something like in my jobs where I start out and I don't know anything or I know, I, you know, I I know a little bit, and I want to learn as every, as much as I can. And, and I don't need a break when I'm doing that. I'm trying to digest and absorb and get as much experience as possible. And eventually, like you have the law of diminishing returns where you're not learning or you're not running as fast as you were when it started and you start to like need more frequent breaks. So I think for me, it took like almost two years where I I was like, I was fine to go to work every day, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And then when it started to become a little bit more redundant, then I needed to take more frequent breaks and and clear my head and, and, you know, not go to the brewery. And, and now it's, now I found a good level of where, of where that is.
0: Perfect. Perfect balance, basically.
1: I mean, that's what we're always trying to seek, so.
0: Right. Is there a way you, you stay ahead of your competition? And if so, how do you go about that?
1: You know, I try not to think about the other breweries and and, and what they're doing. Um, I just focus on our business and what we're trying to do and focus on the customer. I mean, you know, clearly there's, there's amazing breweries out there, even like within... 25 to 30 minutes of us and they make great products and they all make different things and so You know some of them we Across the country some guys we try to emulate and other other way other products We just we look at them and we know they're popular and we don't like them So, I mean, I think it's just a it's a balance, but it's really give trying to give the customer what they want
0: Right. What are your strategies for marketing?
1: I mean, I, I I've been like the exact opposite of that. I think that mm-hmm. specifically in the craft beer space and the craft food and and just any niche product now, you're bombarded with so much stuff through Instagram and social media, and that I I feel like the discovery process and word of mouth is the most fun, authentic thing we can do now. Okay. because of how people communicate and so marketing i've had basically a zero budget of marketing like i do not spend any money to do it um the only thing to do is tell people they can look for us on facebook and instagram because that's our, our medium to get out there but um it's really like i rely on word of mouth and i figured it's kind of like field of dreams like if you build it they will come like, right. maybe i hope so
0: you're right so since you since you started your business to now, what do you think has changed the most for you, whether it be in the industry or even in your own business?
1: I mean, this—it's really—I don't think anything's changed that much because I, I never really had any expectations. Um, I just had hopes that we would be successful and people would come and enjoy our products and come back and buy our beer and and. I think that that's been happening so far. Um, I don't know if there's been any changes be- or because I never had a baseline to begin with, so
0: right.
1: it's really hard for me to answer that question.
0: Okay. And what's next for your brewery? What does the future look like for Woodstock?
1: I think we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and trying to expand our specialty beer um, footprint so that we can have more varieties, and cans and... Like, you know, we don't, we don't, we never canned a dark beer before because we just don't have the space to, to hold it. Okay. And, um, so we're going to try to get more space so we can can more variety of beer, more, more IPAs, um, more lagers and pilsners and, um, and some sour beers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the other thing is to expand our distribution footprint, uh, so that we're not just, you know, Eastern New York, what outside of the city where, we can move into the city or long Island and and also like maybe uh, New Jersey or Western New York.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, I live in Queens and I will uh, be looking forward to that. What was that one beer for you? That was a gateway beer into the craft beer world.
1: I think it's two beers, but one of them is Omegang Hennepin. Um, I love that beer still. I think it's just the first time I walked into a beer store and didn't buy like the Heineken or a Amstel or something like that and I, I was like let me just pick up something else
0: okay right. and then
1: also uh, Firestone Walker Double Jack
0: oh yeah that's a great I, one
1: I'm not sure how I got it originally but I tried it and I was so blown away with it and then I just ordered a case from California right. and um, they shipped it and I, or I think I got 12 bottles of 22 bombers and they were it was like $180 of shipping
0: <laughs> really
1: but um, but it was great. I loved it.
0: Yeah, big flavor in that in that beer. If somebody came to you and they asked you for advice on opening a brewery, what would you tell them?
1: Well, first off, I do give advice to anybody who asks me. Right. Um, and I would say that number one, expect whatever your budget is, multiply it by twenty five to fifty percent. Okay. I would say the second thing would be that. Expect to make no money for at least two years, um, if not longer, and and that you're going to be working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Gotcha. Um, but if you're willing to do all that stuff and you work hard, like there's no reason why you should have some semblance of a successful business. It's also based on scale, so, so you should definitely start larger than you think you need to. Otherwise, you're just going to be on a treadmill of not not being able to bring in enough cash to grow your business because you have to pay yourself or pay your employees or whatever it is.
0: Right. And did you happen to have a, a funny story for us?
1: The uh, funniest story, actually, I heard from our distributor. He's like, uh, I'm the, one of them came into our brewery and told us he was the night house, the night warehouse manager. And he said that we had shipped them a pallet of beer. And that when they were pack, taking the pallet apart, they found a twenty-pound bag of shredded cheese in the middle of the pallet. That I guess we had our kitchen staff had stacked on the on the beer, and we had, it had fallen into the middle. Right. So when they were they're were taking it out, they're like, "Why is there a twenty-pound bag of cheese sitting in here?" So I was like, "Did you guys eat it?" They're like, "Oh, we were we kind of divided it up and passed it around, but." Um, <laughs> i thought it was pretty funny because we we they are we're so so stuffed in our cooler between the kitchen and the 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 beer and the cans that they pack we pack everything on top of each other and so it wouldn't surprise me if like that's happened more than one time
0: right Uh, so uh, i have a little uh (laughs) i have a little segment called quick fire five okay uh five quick questions beer related ready
1: i'm ready when you are
0: all right what are your beers that you'd recommend someone try?
1: I mean my favorite beer that we make is Mean Christine, which is a sour a sour IPA with a little bit of lactose in it. Um it's uh I mean I'm sorry, a sour a sour gozo or fruited fruited sour with uh, pineapple, mango, passion fruit, key lime and lactose. Um or I would say Try Endless Cycle IPA, which is probably my favorite IPA. It is not; it is a Northeast IPA, but it's definitely got more bitterness than the regular IPAs that are that are considered Northeast.
0: Okay. And a favorite brewery other than your own?
1: Probably tire, Tired Hands Brewing.
0: Tired Hands. Uh, favorite style of beer?
1: Favorite style of beer? Saison. And I like both the clean Saisons and also the Brett and, and uh, you know, funkier Saisons.
0: Gotcha. Uh, last beer you drank that blew you away?
1: I would say it's an Anger, anger Lager. I can't remember the name of it.
0: Okay. Uh, you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing?
1: Woodstock Pilsner.
0: Perfect. Well, Rick, that's all I got for you, man. Cool. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, pleasure. Pleasure. Guys, I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast. Here with Rick Chauvin of Woodstock Brewing Company in Fenosha, New York. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Rick Chauvin of Woodstock Brewing Company in Fenosha, New York. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, You should definitely check them out. Also, give them a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe and you'll never miss it. Also, be sure to check out our social media accounts for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast. You stay safe out there.